Hello, everyone. Welcome to the UEL Smiles podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hamuda, a sports therapy graduate and a project coordinator for Smiles. This podcast is about you, and its main purpose is to connect you to your mentors, teachers, and any other guests and requests that you guys have. Today's episode, we're going to discuss a very, very important topic, and it's a topic that is very, very close to my mind. And it's also something that came up a lot in the recent meetings that we had with students and also our mentors, which is mental health, but not exactly as it stands on its own, but mental health health and its relationship with how motivated you are and how you get work done, basically. So I'm hoping that I'm going to discuss that a, bl- a little bit in depth in this podcast. And I do want to apologize if my voice is a little bit scratchy. I have been quite sick due to the change in weather. But um, I do believe that I can get this episode through. So if my voice changes at any moment, please forgive me. Um, but yeah, I think it would be a really, really important topic to discuss. And if you're feeling a bit demotivated right now, give this episode a listen. I think it might help. So without further ado, let's get started. So getting into it, I just want to preface that my advice and what I'm going to be saying today in today's podcast is based on answers that we've collected from different students and their thoughts and their experience. So to an extent, I feel like it will be really, really helpful to take those into consideration and understand and try and quite locate why you're feeling that way, even though it could be pretty hard. But I feel like it hits harder when it's also affecting how you are performing and affecting how you are being as a student. And especially in the last two years, things has changed quite rapidly. And we almost didn't have time to catch up and kind of try and understand what's happening and and try and process it all. So hopefully this could be a nice breakdown and of motivation and how to kind of trigger it in some ways and try and work towards it even though I know how really really difficult it can be. So first things first when I started university I was living on campus and I'm not sure if you like if you've ever been on campus um, for anyone who's listening um, but the rooms are usually quite small. They're almost like, um, depending which building that you're living in, but there's, you know, your usual, there's a bed, there's a desk and there's a bathroom. And then there is a kitchen that you share with your flatmates. And there are usually either six or five, again, depending on the building. I lived in Longbridge for my first year and I arrived quite late. I arrived um, two weeks after um, teaching started um, because there was slight delay in um, there was slight delay in my international visa and there was also slight delay in flying because I couldn't find any earlier flights. So I was kind of put in this situation where I'm going in while everyone already had their induction week. Everyone got to know everyone. Everyone formed their little groups and I was kind of the odd one out for a little bit. So one of the main concerns that we've received was kind of keeping your motivation up when you are in that small 
flat or when you're in that small dorm room, essentially. And I think it can be quite difficult, um, especially now during COVID times, because when I lived on campus for two years before COVID, it was almost something that was kind of almost felt like an apartment. You get up in the morning, you have your own schedule, you get up, you go to lectures, you go to seminars, you go to your practical lessons, to clinic, whatever, or library, and you have this like set goals for yourself that you need to achieve today. You go out and there was never this concept of like social distancing or or masks, there was also the aspect of socializing. You could go out and see people, people could come and see you, could come to your flat, hang out. There was always that aspect of like a community. So it was almost like living in an apartment. Like it was almost like living, you know, you're by your own, you're doing your own thing and you're essentially responsible for your own schedule and you're kind of like people are kind of keeping tabs on you, but you know, in a way, you do feel that sense, sense of like liberation and sense of, um, you know, community. But as COVID hit and I had to, I remember I was living on campus and I had to move out and go back to my parents' house as I was really scared that there was going to, that the lockdown was going to last longer than it should or you know, no one had any idea what this virus was. No one had any idea what the implication that it would have. And everyone was frankly scared and anxious. So everyone just flee, fleed accommodation and left if if they can, if their parents are in, are in the country. And I was quite lucky that my parents were and I could go home. I could choose to go home and see them and then stay with them until things subsided because um, I still had a year left to finish. And what was quite tricky about the whole thing was the fact that I had to almost switch my learning from being in, being in person, being present in lectures. And I'm a visual learner and I tend to learn things from looking at them. I tend to learn things from being reminded by them, from hearing them and from kind of being taught. I like, which is kind of sounds weird, but I like the process of getting taught taught something. I feel like that's how I get good at something. So especially in practicals, I like being shown what I should do or how I should behave in a certain situation. And it's different when you're put in that situation yourself and you're expected to learn that through a screen. I don't think it's the same thing. And it kind of messed with my head a little bit because I was like, now I have to, you know, take, we took our exams online um, our, our written exams, that is. And we had two written exams in person and we actually switched them to online. So it was all just quite bizarre because you, you, ha you get that feeling of like, I don't think I can do this and I don't think I can actually handle it. But since it was almost the end of term two, when kind of COVID got really bad in London and the first lockdown hit, and I was here with my parents. So it was different because what I was thinking of, oh, it's going to get over. It's just exams. Summer's going to come. Things are good. Da, 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 da. But it all hit quite differently when we moved back, when I moved back to London for my last year and second lockdown hit. That's when we had to almost switch everything to online again. And I think because our courses, I'm doing, like I did sports therapy and because our course is quite 
um, specific about its practical practice, we had to attend clinic at some point. Um, and in a way, that was the only salvation. That was the only thing that was kind of kept me going, going to that clinic that one day to do practicals. But at the same time, it just wasn't the same. There was a bunch of rules that we had to adhere to. And I felt for personally students who were staying on campus during these times because that little room which is supposed to be your safe place which is supposed to be your resting place you know you, you rest in there and I remember at uni my room was I felt like because my family wasn't around it was a it was the only thing that felt like it was mine and it was solely mine for the taking and it was quite difficult to try and navigate the dif the different circumstances of the room almost turning like a prison. It felt like a prison cell. Because I remember I spoke to a friend who lived on campus at the time, and um, they were actually a first year. And I remember she was telling me about how that little room from from turning into something that like, oh, it's university, I have to kind of make it look pretty, I have to go and hang out with people, it turned into a prison. It turned into something with four walls, with the desk looking at you, letting you know that you're not doing enough, with zero motivation. You could put the blackout curtains on and sleep for the whole day and then wake up let's say at four, eight, four or five, and then just feel like the whole day has gone by and you didn't even see the sun. And it doesn't help that all of this struck when the times have changed as well. And the sun kind of goes down at like 3 p.m. So it, it didn't help the almost, if, especially if someone is suffering from seasonal defective disorder, they tend to get affected by the change of seasons and they tend to get affected by the change of time. So it did feel, it did feel quite difficult to try and navigate all of those things. And in my mind, I almost thought of doing a study about it because I had to understand how difficult it is to change your mind or to almost switch that thinking from positive, from negative to positive. And how much positive can you really be? when things feel like almost like they're on a loop, you're kind of repeating the same day again and again and again. So that was just a little bit of an introduction about, very long one, but a little bit of an introduction about what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how you can get out of that loop. Again, it is very different for everyone and everyone's going to have a different experience than the other person. Some people are very disciplined. They can easily get up. They can easily make themselves, put themselves into a routine. They can easily um, do something for themselves that others might not have the ability to. I know that I can be extremely lazy at times and sometimes I confuse that with depressive behaviors. Sometimes if I'm just lying in bed all day, I'm so, oh, I'm just lazy. But in fact, I'm, I'm not lazy. I'm just, my body's just refusing to do anything. So we have kind of put, not like a questionnaire, but we've kind of put a discussion out to everyone who has suffered from this or everyone who would 
experienced this. And I feel like everyone has, whether you're living on campus or living in your apartment or living with people or even with parents. And we got some answers and we got some advice about how to deal with it and how to navigate it. And I'm going to discuss that with you today. And hopefully it helps now that we're kind of nearing the end of the first semester we kind of almost see the light you there is a lot of assignments and there's a lot of examinations are coming up in the next week um as per my knowledge so I hope I hope that that came at the right time with the right support so what do you do when you feel like you've lacked motivation in that little campus room or in your space in life in general From all the answers that we have gotten, I was able to kind of skim it down to almost like a step-by-step process to try and work through the demotivation stage. And when you're not quite feeling like, how can you get on schedule or how can you kind of get back up, especially when exams are near or they're, they're almost done, I think. So The first thing that students have sent to us is have a fixed routine. So having a routine for yourself almost make make you accountable. It holds you accountable to the time that you're spending. If you have a certain time where you have to wake up and a certain time where you have to, for example, work out or go for a walk, a certain time where you have to start your assignments, start checking your emails, a certain time where you have to finish a certain task, do your laundry, for example, like the simpler it is, the more that you have a specific time for that task, the more that you're going to hold yourself accountable. So one of our students said that um, they wake up, they have a time where they have to be up and ready from bed by 9am. And that has worked for them. And they were able to stick to it. So I think the more strict you are with the schedule that you set for yourself, the more it's going to work in the long run. The second thing is to have a routine, which is a little bit more closer to having a schedule with a set time where you wake up. But when you have a routine, you almost feel like that you're kind of in your own company, like you're in, you're running your own mind. And in a way, having a routine helps because something becomes a routine. I think I read after eight days of consistently doing it. So if I were to think that, okay, I want to wake up at 9am and I want to go for a walk, catch some fresh air, because obviously during COVID we might not be able to hang out with people. So go for a walk. And then when I come back, I must clean the room and then log in onto Teams or check my emails. So that's the little, and then maybe journal. So that's the little routine that you've created for yourself. So when you wake up and, you know, your schedule is not kind of like all over the place and you don't know where to start, you ha- you know that you have to wake up, you have to get ready, you have to go for that walk, you have to come back, you have to clean your room, and then you have to log on to Teams or you have to check your emails. So it's almost like a creating an inventory that you're checking off as you're going and you're kind of almost tricking your brain to do these things because now you once you've done all these things and you kind of got off of that quote-unquote slump you feel like you're ready to start with your day or start working on academics or start working on personal projects that you wanted to work on one tip that I live by 
is the fact that one small thing in your physical space can change everything. If the desk that I'm working on is messy, if there's papers everywhere, if there is notes, uh, notebooks, my laptop is jumbled up, it's a thousand tabs open, this is not an inviting environment to work in. So maybe before you start working, make sure that your desk is clear. There isn't, especially for me, because I suffer with ADHD. So sometimes I find it difficult to focus on certain things. So I kind of just have like only the papers that I need, only the books that I need and everything else is removed. My laptop, clear all the tablets, um, create like a, a file. If I'm scared to lose these tablets I'll just create a file and just put all these links in it so I don't lose it and then just close everything and have a clean desktop in front of me. I think these all play such an important role in kind of like clearing your physical space and your digital space and your mental space as well. It plays a very important part in clearing your mental space and kind of having you okay this is this is go time this is ready for the day I have to get this done. And I think it's so important to try and kind of, when you follow that, like, almost order, it will almost trick your brain into doing these tasks. There is a law called Parkinson's Law. And in hindsight, it basically says that the time that you need to take to finish a certain task basically drags on to the time that you give yourself. So for example, if you tell yourself that I have two days to do this laundry, you are not going to do it until the end of the second day because your brain has expanded that task over that specific time. But if you set a timer on your phone and says, I'm going to check and reply to my emails in 20 minutes, the minute that you start that timer, you're going to immediately get on that task and you're going to want to try and finish it before the timer finishes. So it's almost kind of creating that little false competition with yourself and almost tricking your brain into lowering the time that you need to finish a certain task. And if you, but then that can kind of come across as quite, if you don't finish it in time, it's almost like, oh, like it's almost like giving yourself a punishment. Oh, I didn't finish it on time. I should have finished it on time. That is not the case at all. The case is to be able to kind of give yourself a little bit of time where, okay, I'm going to do this now. 20 minutes, check my emails, done. Another thing that also worked for me was rewarding yourself. I know that now because we aren't seeing friends as much and we aren't going out because of new COVID restrictions, we're not, it's hard to kind of give yourself a reward if you're an extroverted person. Uh, it's hard to give yourself a reward because we kind of rewarded ourselves by going out, getting dinner with friends, going out, out. Like, it's just like, it's nice to have that as a reward. But the more you kind of select in your mind, you're like, okay, but I want to do that. So you give yourself almost like a little automatic reward. Okay, I've done this. So I'm going to reward myself with this. I'm going to, I don't know, have a chocolate. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to watch that movie that I really like. I'm going to get started on this series. It's like, it's again, almost programming your brain to, you know, give you a little bit of rewarding to kind of reward your hard work. And I just wanted to mention 
a couple things um, before we end this podcast. Um, hopefully, everything I've said has made sense. I am kind of trying. Sometimes I tend to, I tend to go on about a certain thing, but I hope that it made sense. But I just wanted to bring um, certain attention to some of the thir- services that the university offer and some of the s- services that some of our students have found quite helpful um, in dealing in dealing with things and in just getting through it. The first service that I want to talk about is the mental health well-being team. So the university has a portal and it is called the mental well-being portal for students. I personally used it in my third year because I found it quite difficult to get started on my dissertation and I didn't know if it was just me being scared or if it was something more. So I reached out to someone and they really really helped me in the sense that they helped me see things from an outsider perspective and they were almost like someone who would just listen to me a professional who would give me their honest opinion so to book an appointment with them I phoned uh, or emailed the hub uh, the student hub and they were really really helpful in kind of pairing me up with someone or you can just contact the student wellbeing service directly by emailing them at wellbeing at uel.ac.uk. That's W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G at uel.ac.uk. Other things that you can do, um, again, these are besides, I think the mental wellbeing service is something that's really, really helpful that the university has introduced. And I think that it's something that will definitely help students down the line to be, to kind of speak to someone who knows what is it like to be a student in those times and speak to someone who's able to kind of listen to them with no judgment professionally. And other things that you can do would be to contact residential services. So if you're living on campus, you could contact um, residential services to find out a little bit more about all the events that they're having or if they're hosting any. Sometimes they would host movie nights. These were really fun. So again, I'm not sure what the restrict on the events are at the minute, but do get in contact with them because they almost always have something going on. The second thing is um, contact the hub. Of course, I've already mentioned that. But if you have any issues academically or if you need something to get done, sometimes I lost my ID card multiple times and I had to contact the hub to, to get my ID card sorted. So I think it's really, really important to contact them and kind of keeping keep in contact with them. Um, and the fourth thing is contact your academic advisor. Um, I know that it might be a little bit difficult because they are a lecturer and you kind of want to be on your best behavior and be on your best, but speaking to my academic advisor and being vulnerable with them at times, trying to explain to them how I'm struggling motivation wise or how I'm struggling with a certain assignment, having their view of on things is really, really important. It kind of helped me see things quite objectively and be able to critically analyze why I'm not. I'm not participating or why I'm not getting this done. And sometimes it is easier than you think to kind of hack it when you're speaking with someone who's been studying the subject for years. So that's also really important. And last but not least, you could contact Smiles. You could contact us on our emails, smiles at uel.ac.uk to request a mentor. And we will pair you up with somebody who can help you, who's already been through this before, whether a graduate mentor or a mentor that's still studying, depending on your level. 
mentors have been in that place before you and they have went through all these difficulties of being a student. So they might be helpful in giving you that student perspective and listening to you and understanding you from a student perspective because they went through it themselves. Um, again, if you, you could also email us, um, sorry, DM us on Instagram at UEL Smiles. If you have any other topics that you'd like us to discuss, or if you think that there is a certain topic that we haven't discussed yet and we haven't covered yet, and you'd like a little bit more clarity on it. So again, Smiles is a very collaborative program. We want to make sure that everybody's included and everyone is benefiting from it. So that concludes our motivation motivation segment in our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening and turning up. If you have any questions that you would like to be included or any suggestions on future guests or future topics, DM us on our Instagram account at UEL Smiles. I have been Sarah Hamuda. Take care, everyone, and have a good Friday.